who is a patriot? I am riveted around this question right now because on January 6th, the people who were at the Capitol that day felt, um, I understand, they felt that they were doing the patriotic thing and, in fact, saving the democracy, whereas a certain amount of other people who stayed home feel that they were the patriotic person because they had voted and watched their votes being counted and were participating in the democratic process. So could we talk a little bit around this question (laughs) of who's a patriot? We might uh, have to talk around it in a couple of wide turns because, you know, you and I do have our political differences, but (laughs) <laughs> but we have been friends for what, 20 years? So many things that even if we, to me, a patriot, a real patriot is somebody who holds an opinion entirely different than mine. But I will respect that person's right to do that and not try to take Thank them you. out, not try to cancel them, not brand them in one group or another. Take people who are diametrically opposed to you. They can still be your friends. They should be your friends. We all make pictures when when we have different words in our heads. And I feel like the quintessential U.S. cliched and still makes us all cry picture of the Patriot. You know, those three guys with the flag on the hill and World War II, which is one of your specialties. This is why the podcast is called How Do You Know? I don't know that. I don't have Look, any basis. Five guys. I, I shared a yeah, story with history. you the other day, and you told me to remember it. This is a yeah. patriot, and I will get choked up. Whenever I think of this, I get choked up. It was on 9-11, and we were all glued to our televisions later that day. And they were broadcasting live from the disaster, and there was a fireman who was walking back in to face this inferno and he was covered head to foot in dust he was exhausted you could tell that the reporter actually tried to stop him saying sir you've done enough why don't you go rest for a little while and he was in tears i am too when i tell this story because he took his helmet off and inside the helmet was a charred photograph of a family And he said, that guy's in there someplace. I want to get him home to his family. That's a patriot. And I will add, that fireman was black. The photograph was of a white family. That didn't matter at that moment. What mattered was somebody needed help. And he was willing to go into the inferno to try and find him. That's a patriot. A patriot to the country because he's doing this one thing that he can do to, for in this case, save a lot, save lives. Absolutely. How, you know, you're driving down the road and you see a bad accident and there's a kid involved in it somehow. What do we do? We run to it. We see a kid trapped in a car and maybe it's catching on fire. We run to it and we're not going to stop and say, Gee, are you a Republican? Oh, whoa, whoa, you know, you're a Democrat. The hell with you. No. We might argue later, but at that moment, we're all in this together. Is that your favorite story about patriots? Because with your knowledge of history, I'm like, could you tell me another (laughs) story? Tell me another story, please. (laughs) I'll tell you a story about a Confederate. 
Pickett. I got people on both yes. sides of that. War, uh, Pickett's so. <laughs> charge. Uh, those who know, remember their history. Remember that 12,500 young men, average age about 19 or 20, went forward. Two-thirds of them were dead or wounded only 45 minutes later. The shattered remnants mm. of that army was coming back across the field, and Robert E. Lee was riding forward to rally the troops. And suddenly somebody shouted at him, hooray for the Union. I think he shouted some obscenities as well, but they censored that. On the ground was a Union soldier who had been shot through the legs. Lee got off his horse, and he said, the, the soldier now is recording this, and he, he described how the staff had murder in their eyes. I mean, there's thousands of suffering and dying boys mm -hmm. from the South. Lee knelt down next to that soldier and said, son, are you sorely hurt? And he started, he said, yes, I can't move. Lee looked up and said, fetch my ambulance, get this boy to a surgeon. And then he took the guy and he embraced him and said, mm -hmm. I will pray for you tonight that you get safely home to your family. Got up and rode away. And that mm -hmm. soldier writing about it years later, said he cried. He just cried. Gone was the animosity of the moment. What was bonding them at that moment was a young boy suffering. And in general, helped create that suffering, taking responsibility and saying, I will pray for you. And what you're speaking to is actually a huge reason why I I want to do this particular podcast is because I want to speak to the middle and yes. not make anybody right or wrong here. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to sound like Trump and say, oh, there were good people on both sides of that, you know, massacre of, of black people in their church. I'm not at all saying that. But what I'm saying is we that both sides now have to learn to move more into the middle of at least having curiosity about those people whose opinions you think you hate or whose lifestyle you think you hate that uh i mean a lot of people are throwing around this term now oh civil war civil war and i uh, can I, I interrupt there i'm i'm an amateur civil yeah, let, let war me, historian and you. so please Please, yeah. 700,000 young men died in the Civil War. Now, that was when the nation had 30 million. Today, there's 330 million. It would be the equal today of close on to 10 million young people dying. You want to talk about Civil War? Look it in the face. That's what Civil War can lead to. Wars, they never end the way they start. And usually they end very profoundly different and usually very tragically, at least for one and often both sides. Anybody who is saying Civil War now, I ask them to look at some photographs from the Civil War, say of uh, the Hagerstown Pike, where the Confederate dead are just laid one atop another, yeah. bloated, yeah. dead. That's Civil War. That's the last thing we should be talking about. I mean, I was reading last night in some of the journals, uh, you know, that book, yeah. Blue and Gray, and it's lots and lots of letters 
that uh, soldiers and officers, all kinds of people involved in the war, it's their actual letters. And, and these soldiers were writing about their horrible conditions and saying, well, we're being told that if we love our country, we have to stay here and do this. This is how we show we love our country. And yet, as you said, so many lives were lost and not even from the war, right? Disease. From disease. And anyone who tries to compare what's going on now to civil war is, is not mindful of that particular history. Um, and, and one of the reasons that we're in this, certain people are in this frenzy uh, of discord does have to do with ideas around what QAnon is and what QAnon believes. And I mean, I have to ask you, I'm just as your friend, I think you're a big watcher of Fox News. And did you not feel that they were adding sure. fuel to the fire? Well, of- I would say both sides. Uh, I've talked to people who were there, who were there at the Capitol building and were protesting outside, never thinking of going in. And there were agitators from both sides. One side was using it to try and push their agenda. The other side was using it to get people hysterical and overreacting. So there were both sides involved in that. And the tragedy was universal. I don't know. It sounded to me like both. It sounded to me like the people that stormed the Capitol were doing both of those things. Who I'm confused about who you're talking about. What side was trying to get people Antifa in a panic? And BLM. I shared it. I talked to people who were there, who saw these people, who confronted some of them with, "What the blank are you doing?" And the response, well, you take a mob, you get them whipped up enough, they can do terrible things. And they don't think about it until afterwards. So when you say Antifa, who Antifa, are you talking the about? The actual organization, Antifa, BLM. They were both there. They were getting the crowd whipped up to do violence. Not to say that Proud Boys and others weren't but- there, too. Well, I would like to talk to those people because part of my deal here is how do you know? You talked to some people, so they told you they were there. They saw them getting Um, off of buses. But how do you know that's what they are? They're wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts? No, they were wearing, shall we say, my side's t-shirts, but they were definitely of the other side. And I believe these people had no reason to lie to me in private conversations. They were as outraged as anyone else. They were like, you're hijacking this and you're whipping it up. And I'm okay. I will have to add a woman was the one woman who was actually killed. In almost any other situation, that police officer would have faced serious charges. He shot her coming through a window and he was not justified in doing that. Did you watch the impeachment hearings, where, the second impeachment hearings, where they drew all this out minute yes. by minute? And some of it was doctored. And so, first of all, I'm sorry this woman is dead. She should be alive. I'm just saying that that officer, what 
I thought was different that was presented to me in those impeach second impeachment hearings was when they explained and showed on a diagram how close she was, they were at that particular moment to the actual uh, she, where Congress was matter. in session. Congress are people like us. They're not gods. And I'm... But they had stated an intention, you know, hang my pence, etc. They had Who stated did? pretty fatal, fatal. The crowd outside was chanting, Kill Not Mike, everyone. hang my pence. A uh, relatively and... small minority. Look, it was. It I don't know, honey, of... did you hear it? It sounded like a lot of people to me. Estimates run that upwards of half a million people were in Washington that day. Let's take a conservative estimate of 250,000 people were in Washington that day. What percentage actually were storming the building? A fraction of a percent. And now I've talked to other people who were there, didn't even bother to walk to the Capitol building. Uh, they left peacefully. 99% of the people there left peacefully. Yeah, we seem to be focusing on the 1%. On, I feel some of it is of a dubious nature. Look... I've been in protest. I've also watched protests being hijacked by a different group. I'll tell you offline a couple of stories <laughs> about that and how I dealt with <laughs> it. I organized a rally once and some people tried to protest it and I shut them down. I'll tell you later. I'm not going to do this one on podcast. <laughs> um, Sheridan. It runs a lot deeper than what was shown on mainstream media and CNN. I would love to speak to some of those people. I see. I'm just more I'm not interested in which side is right or wrong. I'm truly interested in what is going on. And so what you're telling me is not information I had before. Like I said, it's it's easy to hijack a mob. I mean, I can understand that the crowd behavior, that kind of thing. I can understand that would happen. But as I say, what is fascinating to me is that I can understand uh, if you believed that the election was stolen, that the ballots were stuffed, uh, then, then I can totally understand why people would show up that day. However, to disrupt the counting of the ballots is so anti-democratic. If you believe in the democracy as, as young and, and flawed as we are, you still have to support the process. Well, the counting of the ballots happened on November. The day in November yes. was the actual election where hundreds of thousands of ballots suddenly went missing. Hundreds of thousands of ballots were miscounted. Other ballots were counted three, four, five, six times. I, I, we will have to disagree on this. I think the election was hijacked. How do you How know, do you know the other what side? What makes you think that I do sat you believe, there and watched for six days. I watched ballots be- being counted. And I looked at the faces of these ladies with their masks. Why, why the did they, they, for example, in Detroit, blockade? media and everybody and then covered up all the windows so nobody could see what was going on that's that's not the way i remember learning about democracy well i think this speaks to the fear and division in the country right now 
Both sides are so afraid. I would simply say 75 million people voted for Trump and feel disenfranchised. And the reason you believe the election was stolen is why? We saw massive fraud in Georgia and Michigan and um, other states. And when we're down the margins of 10 to 15,000 votes, do you know how easy it is to flip votes? Do you mean... You mean electronically, digitally? You hear the interview with the guy who is now filing a lawsuit because they said his company, Fox News, said his company. I would love to see that one in court. Let me ask you this. What would fix this next time? What what should, if given what you believe, and I respect you, I disagree <laughs> I with you, but sense. I respect you. You and I have had some very hot conversations over the year, but we're still <laughs> friends. That's the key thing. See, that's the whole thing. This, summed this up. is what I'm we saying. We are still friends, and we put our life at risk for each other, without even hesitation. You know, that's the bottom line. Yeah. You know, I'll give a Civil War example. Uh, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain would receive the Medal of Honor for his stand on Little Round Top. He was severely, he was actually pretty well crippled for the rest of his life when uh, he was hit at Petersburg in June of 64. Well, before the war, he was a professor at a small college, Bowdoin College. Just so happened to be the same college uh, that Harry Beecher Stowe Uh, You know, her husband taught there. He described how before the war, Mm. he was at some meeting and he came across an old classmate from the South who I think taught at University of Virginia. And they talked about they started talking about the issue, the way you and I are, the issue of the moment. He said within 15 minutes, they had to be separated. They were screaming at each other, almost came to physical blows. And he thought in retrospect afterwards, he said, my God, if two men as well-educated as us cannot carry on a civil conversation, we're going to be in a war before this is done. He was right. Mm -hmm. Yet this is the Mm -hmm. same man Mm -hmm. who at the Battle of South Mountain in September 62, he saw his first dead Confederate soldier. And he said, He was a boy of 16 summers. I remember the way he put that, 16 summers. Poverty stricken, Mm. barefoot, sitting against a tree. He was dead. And in his lap was a Bible, open Bible. He was reading the Bible as he died. Mm. And then he said, my God, will you ever forgive us for what we're doing to each other? Yeah. You know, after the fact, yeah. after the genie's out of the bottle and we've killed some people, as we saw in Capitol building or elsewhere, you can't put it back. Even that you believe that there was fraud in uh, the 2020 mm-hmm. presidential election. What uh, do you uh, think uh, should uh, be put in place be- between now and 2024? Uh, no, no, I'm serious, only asking because... I look for solutions. I am I'm interested petrified in of acts before Congress right now that essentially would take you completely over by the federal government. I'm not for that. 
Well, if the federal government had they would have uh, then Trump, Trump would have won lost by fifty million votes. <laughs> okay, I do not trust. And boy, I'm saying this on a podcast. I remember when I lived in Maine, we had a town meeting once a year. And we discuss, well, you know, well, that section of road by the Pritchards and, you know, Mr. Pritchard would say, I'll take care of it. And then we'd all have chicken and uh, macaroni and everything later. We voted by paper ballot. It leaves a paper trail. But secondly, I would put the election for a like a week, definitely a weekend. Saturday and Sunday, the polls are open for 48 hours straight. If you can't vote then, then I'm, I'm sorry. And that there's a paper trail throughout. There's a very, uh, uh, I want to say, white no, middle class not. point of view or privileged point of view that uh, you think people could get daycare, could get off work, you could get transportation. find in a, a way in- to take your responsibility as a citizen, the franchise, that's the most precious right we have. Somewhere within that 48 hours, you can do it. And you should be photo ID'd when you go in. I, I agree with the photo ID. I, I just think it's weird that they go, no, that's fine if you say that's who you are. <laughs> well, but, but I got my license. I want to show you my license. I want you to look at it so I know you know. Anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it, yeah. It, it, I disagree it, it, with you there because it favors... No, the, it doesn't. It favors privileged people with the wealth to take time no, off and drive their private cars. Believe me, if you had a 48-hour period to vote, buses, your church group, your civil groups, the town library, and you can vote. And early voting is so fraught with potentials for fraud. I just, I just cannot accept it. That's what the military has always and done. Everybody who could vote would vote. You know, my grandfather came from Germany and he was a day laborer. Oh, well, he was a laborer. Fortune. And Thurston. Tappy would come home on election day. He'd watch, wash up in the kitchen sink. He'd put on his double breasted suit that was like 30 years old from the Depression. And we'd walk to the polls and he that's where I got my patriotism. He would talk to me about what it meant to, that he was an American who could vote. He didn't care if it was just a dog catcher. He was at mm-hmm. the poll. He was born in Germany. Got and it. Could vote well, you could America. vote in Germany, too. But yeah. if Tappy had stayed in Germany, he would have been killed in the first war. Um, and it was funny. He argued with his draft board one uh World War II came. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm fit to go. <laughs> you know? But mm. uh, I'm an American. <laughs> I am an American. And to go yeah. out of your way to vote, if need be, fought right. And you do it across the whole weekend. Believe me, Sharon, no matter what your social status, you're going to find something in that 48 hours to get you to a poll and present your ID and vote. Well, I listen to you, I think, about the other problem, which is people who think their vote doesn't oh, count, crap. and so there's no reason to vote. 
when you're down to what was it? One Senate uh, congressional election came down to less than a hundred votes. I, I remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was a great story. Uh, one of my professors told me about. He lost the election by like three votes, and it was for a state rep, uh, you know, federal representative. And it turned out his wife and his kids, who were old enough, said. Oh, we didn't think it mattered. (laughs) (laughs) Your vote counts, but we got to make sure your vote counts. Okay, well, election fraud. Do you really trust all the software on your computer? I use Apple, so mostly. uh, Mostly, yeah. Think about it do stupid things though that people do and and neither should anybody at the board of elections you know uh there are safety protocols to be followed in the digital world and you follow them (laughs) but listen uh, fraud would be a topic for another time and and i would love to talk to you about that and uh, will you really put me uh, put someone uh, in touch with me who uh, was at the Capitol? I teach who was one. I teach one of them and her, and her mother. Violent. We're getting together for lunch next week. I will tell her to give you a call. They were there. They were there through the whole thing. Yeah. Say, I'm keenly interested in the patriotic hearts on you both know, sides. Um, I'll vouch for them. Good Christian people. Hey, swallow without thinking about it what media gives to us a lot of times. And we should be critical of every. And yes, on Fox News and OAN as well. We should be critical. We should think critically about things. You know, for example, I get emails every other day from somebody or other about, did you hear that so and so, you know, said, and I, I'll fact check it before I put it on to somebody. And how many times do you, does yes. a fact check come up and goes, this, this is crazy. This isn't true. But that my friends keep right. forwarding it as if it is true. My upcoming podcast episodes is uh, is on this question of what narrative is and how every single thing you read has been constructed. <laughs> it's a construct that people decided to put down and they left out certain things and they put in certain things. And if you take it hook, line and sinker, hey, you're talking to you're a not published author enough. Write all the genres, uh, really. You write across the board, so you do get to make up some things, and you and you also have published revisionist, no, revisionist. history. So there's that. <laughs> I wrote a fictional account of Gettysburg, as if you know, could the South have won? All right. He was you and Newt right? Yeah. One editor rejected it, saying he got sucked into it and realized that didn't happen. Now, and if you're going to resubmit this. Put in italics all the parts that aren't true. And I was like, you idiot. That's the whole point of the exercise. And you know what got me angry? The first book in that series came out. And we had critics just lambast as well, you know, because of Newt Gingrich, that we were pro-South. We were this. We were that. They didn't read the last book where the South gets thoroughly trounced in the end. I'm giving my own books away here. Yeah, we the South loses big time at the end because <laughs> they couldn't have won Gettysburg to start with. 
I know from personal experience, having been smeared and had lies told about me, that other people believed I was set up to try and destroy my career. But you know, I find this interesting, and one of one of the things I want to talk about on an in an ongoing fashion in the podcast is when we assign motive. You know, when we decide that we know what someone was thinking, why they did that thing. So you, you, you can't deny or they can't deny that they took an action. But what were their motives? Then we could glob on all these negative motions and then we get to judge them. And then we could all go on social media and we all, you know, gang up on them, cancel culture, etc. And I just need to break this down into small, recognizable pieces this starts with you thinking you know. Okay, let me put it to you this way. <clears throat> Have you ever witnessed an event that was reported in the news? I mean, you eyewitnessed it, be it an accident or attempt. Because yeah. I was a, yeah, I've been a journalist for a long time. How many times did you read the newspaper yeah. article the next day and go, what the heck? It didn't happen that way. Now, you yeah, it's true. multiply that out, multiply that all the way up to national level. And think, what's the narrative? What's the agenda of the person doing the article? Be it left or right. Uh, there, there are so many cases I witnessed personally where the next day I was like, blankety, blank, 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 I'm yelling. It didn't happen that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, again, though, even right here, you're assigning some motive. I went as a journalist when I saw that happen with my pieces where I had gone out and witnessed the whatever mm -hmm. it was that happened. It's because the editor was working quickly, didn't have a lot of time, didn't care, needed to make the article 200 words and not. Yeah, I hate words. editors like that. And then I look <laughs> at it and go, if you just had called me, I could. I was born and raised in Jersey. Hey, buddy, you know. You could have called me. You could have called me. <laughs> no, you yeah. have to run with it as yeah. it is. Listen, we should all, all citizens should have a very jaundiced eye towards, and I don't care if this is a right-wing conspiracy. Take everything you read with a big grain of salt and fact check yeah. and keep fact checking. If it's so important that you want to act on it or pass it on or something else. I give money every month to the <laughs> Internet Archive. Those guys have stored it. Even if you go in and delete your stuff, your page, your tweet, whatever, they <laughs> oh, stored God it. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my friend, my Republican friend. <laughs> no, you're branding me now. I might not necessarily be a Republican. Thanks for talking with me. And uh, as a follow-up, you're going to possibly put these I other folks in touch with me, and yeah. I'd love to talk with them. You can tell them I, I, I'm a good <laughs> they'll, person. They'll, they'll, they'll fact-check <laughs> me. They'll, they'll agree. If I'm referring to a person, yeah. Okay. Well, ending the podcast for today okay. with William Forsyth. Bye.